And welcome everyone to another edition of Dose of Dog, presented by our friends from Embark. Heather is here from Embark, another dog topic for us. I wish there was a more eloquent way for me to transition than that. Uh, when you say dog, it seems so, just so, so cold, but they're such friendly, warm animals. They are members of the family. And again, Heather is here to provide some great tips and some great uh, well, sort of the mind behind mm-hmm. what goes on. Oh, the right. mind behind God, that's a good like tagline. I like that. <laughs> well, there you go. There, there's my free gift uh, to you, uh, for you doing the next 25, 30 minutes for the community. And, and, and yep, Heather with us. And I know today, Heather, you want to talk about behavior basics, mm-hmm. which, Hey, there's sometimes we're talking about a topic and you've got to explain what the topic is. Sort of right there, behavior basics. It's as basic as the name suggests, yeah. but there's a lot with it. Yes. I love the mind behind. I might have to steal that from you, Scott, to do something with that little tagline. That's clever. <laughs> I owe you for that one. <laughs> well, what, well, tell us a little bit about behavior basics. And, and when people are thinking about dogs and they're thinking about training and they're thinking about anything, it all boils down to behavior. Yeah. So today we're going to talk a little bit about behavior, just why our dogs do what they do. (laughs) And my, I guess, background in this is coming from what the science tells us about behavior and learning. And I think what you'll find when we talk about this today is it's applicable to any species whether you have a dog in front of you, a alpaca, a significant other, a child, <laughs> you know, the people that that work in the behavior field can tell you that behavior, the way that behavior works and what drives behavior is pretty consistent across species. So yes, today we are going to narrow the focus down to our dogs and why they do what they do. But, you know, if you look at the bigger picture, it's, you know, behavior it, it, the way that behavior is driven is super consistent across species. And, and the reason I want to kind of tackle this today is because I think there's so much, oh gosh, in the field, we call it explanatory fiction about why our dogs do what they do. And I want us to try to get away from labeling behaviors. And so what that means is rather than calling our dog stubborn or calling them, you know, they're, they're, they're dominant. I mean, gosh, I know we've talked a little bit about that in the past, but those, when we label our animals behavior with those kinds of adjectives, it's not really giving us any information. And what I mean by that is it's not, is when we say that they're stubborn, when we say that they're dominant, when we say things like that, it's not, it's not observable behaviors. (laughs) And so, so, you know, obviously when we look at the science behind anything, we want to see observable changes that are measurable. And in behavior work, you know, that's what we do a lot. We look at is body language changing? Is that behavior becoming stronger or is that behavior starting to disappear? And I know that seems kind of geeky and I don't want to get too geeky into, you know, a lot of, of, you know, the vernacular of behavior work, because I think that will complicate everyone and make them really confused. And that's why today I thought we'd, we'd take a couple of examples and, and kind of look at why dogs do what they do. And, and it'll allow us to look at it from observable behavior that's measurable. So let's kind of start with like 
the very basics. And this is something we talk a lot about in class that very first night. So kind of the cardinal rule behind any behavior is that reinforcement drives it. So reinforcement is what drives behavior to happen. And so let's even take a further look. So what does that mean? That means that when a behavior happens, the outcome of that behavior, if it's desirable to the learner, that behavior is going to continue. If that if, if that behavior, if the, the end or the consequence is undesirable, that behavior may not occur. So one of the biggest rules that we talk about in behavior in the way that we train, being force-free kind of evidence-based dog trainers here at Embark, is that reinforcement builds behavior. And so our premise is let's create and craft behaviors that are occurring so that the bad ones never kind of pop up. So if we start with our little learner, so we have an eight-week-old puppy, um, we start from the very get-go just reinforcing behaviors that we like. And let me tell you, I, I am all about being a lazy dog trainer. <laughs> and this is a good way to be a lazy dog trainer. And, and not lazy in the fact that you're not working to build behaviors, but lazy in the sense that you don't have to work to create it. Our dog might be doing something already. So let me give you an example of what that looks like. So let's say... You know, it's Friday night, we come home from work. This is the example a lot of you have heard in classes. And, you know, it's been a long week, we're making dinner, and our dog is laying really fabulously on their dog bed in the kitchen. And we don't acknowledge that behavior. So when they're laying, when our dogs are doing calm, quiet behaviors, we often just don't reinforce that, right? Because we kind of ignore it. And sometimes I think we often think, holy cow, my dog is sleeping. It's quiet. Don't poke the dragon. We don't want them to arise. <laughs> and so we don't often, we don't often acknowledge the behaviors that we actually want to continue. So let's say your dog is sleeping really fabulously on their dog bed and your family is in the kitchen and you're talking about the day and you're prepping dinner and the dog is laying fabulously on their dog bed, but we don't acknowledge it. So how would that learner understand that that is the behavior we would like them to continue? So then the puppy or the dog wakes up and they start jumping on the counter or jumping on the small humans or begging at the table or all of the other, you know, lists of undesirable behaviors that often happen in a kitchen because food is present and humans are often there. <laughs> so then what do we do? Our puppy jumps on the counter or the table or a human. And what do we do? We start using a lot of vocalizations and going off, no, no, off, don't, off, no. So if you look at those two contexts, in what, in, in under, under, or which of those scenarios, which one is the dog essentially getting something out of? They're not getting anything laying on the floor being fabulous. Like we didn't really acknowledge that, but they are getting attention for jumping on the counter and jumping on the humans because we turn into like this flailing primate that's, you know, yelling, no, don't stop. And yes, it's not warm, fuzzy attention, but it's attention. And if attention is desirable to that learner, that behavior is going to continue. So what our goal is, is let's look at the behaviors that we want to create, like any calm, quiet behaviors that our dogs do. And can we reinforce that? And just simply by doing that, by, by around the, the house during the day, um, you know, one thing that we recommend for especially the puppy classes, but for all of our classes is let's say you have a little container of kibble around the house. And when your dog does something that you think, oh, wow, 
I would like them to do, do more of that. Can you just go up and reinforce it? And let me tell you, holy cow, you do this a whole bunch of times during the day with behaviors that you like in two weeks, your dog is going to just start offering those behaviors that you like. And so it kind of takes some of the, the work, I guess I would say out of our job and, and not the work because we still have to be observable and we still have to um, reinforce behaviors that we like and, and really capture those when we see them. And so it makes us as a teacher be really observant, but gosh, you know, Scott, if you think about any teacher you have had in your past ever, you know, why, why were they such a good teacher? Because they were observable and they pointed out when you did the right things. And isn't that what we want for her dogs? <laughs> you know, that just giving them lots and lots of feedback when they're doing the right things. And once you start doing that and you start building the behaviors that you like, then the ones that you don't like don't become prevalent in that dog's repertoire. Um, the, you know, and it takes away, I think my biggest love for training the way that I train and, and all of us here at Embark, all the, the instructors and the daycare staff is that, you know, once you reinforce behaviors that you like, you don't get the ones you don't like. And what happens is those behaviors that are undesirable, those are the ones we label. So those are the ones we say, you know, my dog is being dominant and he's jumping on the counter. My dog is being dominant. And he's begging. My dog is, is, you know, I'm not alpha enough because he's barking at the window and he thinks he has to dominate the house. And that's just all nonsense really, because these are behaviors that if we measure them, they are becoming stronger because this animal is getting what they want out of it. <laughs> and, and so they're not being anything other than successful with a little behavior chain. And so, so let's take a look at that, what that would look like in some kind of scenarios that I think a lot of our clients that come to us might struggle with. So, so we know that every behavior has a consequence. And so if we break it down, and again, this might be too geeky for some people, but whenever we look at behavior, we always break it into three little pieces. So antecedents, behaviors, and consequence. And it always kind of follows this little chain of an antecedent, a behavior, and a consequence. So let's take that kind of geeky scientific look at why behavior occurs and just take some kind of examples that are day-to-day -day examples that we would see in our own dogs. And there are probably, oh my gosh, Scott, we could spend hours, I think, breaking examples down of any behavior our dogs do. But let me give you a couple that, that we see quite often, that I see quite often. So let's take the dog that barks at the window because holy cow, is that a quite a common behavior. So every time someone walks by the window, the dog barks at that, that walker or that person walking their poodle or the biker or the child in a stroller or whatever it might be. So, you know, we often hear people label that as the dog is in the window, he's barking at people that go by the house. And unfortunately we have, people will explain it with this explanatory fiction of, well, my dog thinks he is the alpha of the house. Therefore he is barking at everything that goes by the window. And again, that isn't a observable, measurable behavior. That is something that you made up to explain why this learner is doing something. And I think it's really presumptuous to assume that we know what another creature is thinking, whether that is our spouse, our animal, you know, all we can do is we can look at observable behavior. So, so let's say that our golden retriever gets up in the window and barks at every dog that passes, every stroller that passes, every, you know, 
um, small human on a bike that passes. And so again, people will use labels to explain this, but if we break this down and we just look at it in a very simplistic look, what we see is this. We see that the antecedent is, so this is the environment. So someone is walking past the window with their dog. Your dog gets up in the window and barks at that dog that is passing. And then again, behavior is driven by consequence. So that dog is doing probably a distancing signal, which we can get into that. So they're barking to make the thing go away. And so that dog gets up in the window, it barks at the, the human walking the poodle that is walking by your house. And then what happens when that dog barks, what happens to the poodle and the human? It goes away, right? So the dog barks and the poodle and the human continue walking past the house. And so in that little scenario, you have, you know, the environment is producing or, or what's happening is you have this poodle walking by the house, your dog barks at it. And then barking leads to that that poodle to continue to walk by the house. So that dog is not being dominant or alpha or anything. That dog is doing a behavior that is building, getting him the desired outcome 365 times a year, every single day at five o'clock, the poodle walks by the house, your golden retriever barks at it and it goes away. So that dog is being incredibly successful with that behavior. <laughs> so there's a little, a little example of how we would look at a behavior chain that maybe is undesirable to the humans in the household, but clearly it's, it's the outcome of this behavior to this golden retriever is desirable because every time they bark at a dog, it continues walking past the house. So we would say, so if this dog came in to see me and, and again, this is where this, well, let's talk about what we would do and then we'll talk about why punishment would fail in this, in this scenario. So in this scenario, this dog is barking every single time the dog walks by the window and they're getting the desired outcome. So what we would do is we would change that little chain of events. And so we would change it so that those conditions can't really be accessible to the dog anymore. So maybe we would block off part of the window so the dog doesn't have access to the window all the time because, you know, with any behavior that we look at that we want to try to, to get rid of, we... And I don't want to say get rid of, we want to teach an alternate behavior is kind of what we would look at is we would, we would not allow them to get better at it. <laughs> and so by the dog being up in the window and barking at every dog that goes by, they are becoming highly skilled at doing that. And again, every time they do it, they get their desired outcome. So it, that means just by, by virtue of how behavior operates, that that behavior is going to continue. So what we may do is we may block access to the window so the dog doesn't get better at it. And then when we can, we would manage this little behavior chain. So let's say we know between, you know, five and six o'clock that most of our neighbors would walk past our window. So during the day, the dog might not have access to that window. And then when we can be there to manage, we would start to create a different scenario to play out. So what that might look like is the antecedent is, so the, the environment is producing this poodle to walk by the house, the golden retriever sees it. And then once the dog sees that poodle in the window, something good might land on its dog bed behind it. And so over time, we kind of replace that old scenario with this new one of, oh my gosh, every time that darn poodle walks by the house, something really good lands on my dog bed behind me. How the heck does that work? So, so the dog, the environment would produce this poodle walking by the house. 
Um, and when the dog would see it, they would know or think we would start to train this little behavior that on their bed or in another spot where they don't have access to that window where they can bark, something really good would happen. In behavior, we call this a differential reinforcer of an incompatible behavior for those of you that want to geek out. Um, and so, so that behavior is incompatible with doing the one that we don't want. So we would just teach a new behavior, essentially, in that little context. Um, so rather than labeling it and saying they're this and they're that and they're being territorial, we would say, well, this is a behavior that's getting them something. Let's just change what the scenario looks like so they don't do the behavior. And I think it is even more important to give those learners a way to be right. And so... So it, let's look at the scenario from a different lens. So let's say someone took to punishment. Um, so let's say that a particular person decided they were going to yell or they were going to throw something at the dog or, or some kind of an aversive add in um, um, a shot collar or something that, and, and I'm not recommending any of those things. Um, so that dog still doesn't know how to be right. And you might suppress those behaviors, but that dog's opinion essentially, or, or that conditioned emotional response as we would call it, is still the same. So you haven't actually changed the learner. You have just suppressed a certain behavior. And what tends to happen is that, you know, it's kind of goes back to physics. Energy never ends. It just comes out a different way. <laughs> so that, that behavior the dog was doing might go to, now it's going to go dig at the door. So now it's been punished for barking. So now that behavior is going to kind of um, come out in another scenario. So maybe the dog would be digging at the door. Maybe the dog is now biting the couch because they know that barking is going to be punished. And so it's really unfair to the learner to not give them something or give them a way that they can be right and give them an alternative behavior to do in that scenario. Um, and again, reinforcement builds behavior and the more history that we create of that dog barking at the window and then they get something on their bed, the more they're going to choose that. So they're going to choose to go to that spot um, and be reinforced for it. So, so that's kind of the way that we would look at behavior. And again, any behavior you look at, if they're, if the learner is getting something out of it, they're going to continue it because that's how behaviors continue. <laughs> there is something that they're getting out of it. And so they're going to continue doing that. And that is no different than human behavior than, you know, um, the way that I have friends in the marine mammal world that train polar bears and seals and penguins and <laughs> animals that are very nonverbal. Um, and this is how you get behavior change. So it doesn't have to be something as big as, you know, a, a huge vocalization at the window in this example. It can be really little things, but I think it's so important to, to when you get a new dog to really think about these scenarios and think about, okay, what's the behavior I want in this context? So one of the things we talk a lot about in our puppy Einstein class is let's look at the behaviors that you want this puppy or what you want these pup, this puppy's behavior to look like later in life. So if you don't want a puppy that barks at the window, you, we have to teach them from the get go. Hey, you know what? Every time someone walks past the window, something really good lands behind you. And so if we start this with our baby dogs, they never learn that barking at the window makes the woman with the poodle walk away every single day. <laughs> so if we kind of start with the premise of reinforcement builds behavior, we can start to build these behaviors as puppies um, so that the undesirable ones kind of never surface. 
And then we don't have to worry about getting rid of them. And let me tell you, there it is infinitely easier. And, and Dr. Ian Dunbar has a quote on this, and I'm not probably going to um, say it verbatim, but um, Dr. Ian Dunbar has a quote that says, it is infinitely easier to teach um, a dog one way to do things than, than try to stop a behavior, you know, a million times. And that's so true. And what happens, unfortunately, in the dog world is that people will use punishment. And if the punishment doesn't work, what happens? The punishment gets worse. And then they go to a different punishment and then a different one. When all you have to do again, be a lazy dog trainer. It's not that it's, it's not rocket science. You just reinforce behaviors that you like from the get go. Um, Just paying the heck out of these behaviors that, that, that we would want our learner to do more of. Um, And so the puppy in the kitchen you know, um, begging at the table that I mentioned in the very beginning. So can we, and we talk a lot about this in puppy class (laughs) because we're trying to build these behaviors from the get-go. So can we have calm, quiet places around our house? And I usually recommend two in, in very common living areas where as a baby dog, when the puppy is laying quietly there, we just go up and reinforce it. And when I say that, you guys, what I mean, I don't mean going up and going, yay, good dog, blah, blah, blah. And like, amping them up. Cause again, we don't want to poke the dragon. <laughs> They're sleeping. Um, so maybe taking a little bowl of kibble and just quietly, no eye contact. Cause eye contact is often a cue for action. Just going up and placing something between their feet and just walking away really slowly um, and doing that a lot. So we, the dogs actually enjoy like doing and offering these calm, quiet behaviors. And by doing that, we can kind of create any behavior that we want if we're creative Um and it just makes living with them so much more fabulous is just being able to reinforce behaviors that we like. Okay. Um, one more example that I just want to hit um, that is really common. So we talked about barking at the window and the other one that we can put this into a little behavior chain and kind of um, do some investigating um, would be jumping on the counters. Cause that's another one that we hear quite a lot of. Um, and so, so jumping on the counters, you know, once your puppies get to be, close to teenager dumb, they realize they have legs and they like to launch onto everything. So let's say your, your dog has gotten something off the counter in the past. Well, then that behavior has been reinforced and maybe they don't get something every time, but the other times they jump on the, on the counter, they get crazy, um, attention from their human, you know, and attention again, isn't always warm, fuzzy attention. It could be no off down off. What are you doing off on the counter? Get down, get down. So let's look at an alternative to that. So if you have a puppy, um, even an older dog, what we can start to do is create when the human goes in the kitchen, really fabulous things happen on your dog bed. And so with puppies, we start this by you walk in the kitchen, you toss something on that little dog bed or a rug by a door or some just some really consistent place in the kitchen. And so so the context, so the little ana, the antecedent will be the human walks into the kitchen and when that happens, something really good lands on your dog bed. So that puppy learns that it has a huge reinforcement history for going to that dog bed and then counters just aren't that appealing anymore because they choose to go to the dog bed because that's where their reinforcement history lays. And again, um, the more we reinforce that, the more we build the behavior of every time a human goes in the kitchen. If I go to this awesome little dog bed, good stuff happens. And obviously with baby dogs, we start with a lot of reinforcement in the beginning. They need a lot of feedback just as we do when we learn a new skill. So then we start to wean off the food. So then it is 
Um, you have been on your dog bite for 10 seconds, you're rewarded and then 20 and then 30 and then a minute and then every couple minutes. But just by simply reinforcing that little behavior of going to their dog bed um, when you're in the kitchen, it just becomes a thing. And, you know, we don't even have to call it anything. You know, behaviors always happen under certain conditions. And the condition in which this particular behavior is reinforced is that the human has walked into the kitchen and that means good stuff lands on my dog bed. And then there really becomes no reason to be on the counter because really good stuff happens over here. And so if we just start reinforcing that, then that's the behavior we start to get. So again, kind of, kind of, you know, I guess looking at this from a bigger picture, when your dogs do something that you think, oh, I don't like that. And you, you want to label it with some kind of a label, really think about what are they getting out of it? So what to this learner, what reinforcement are they gleaning out of this little chain? Um, and can we change that so that we get the behavior that we want um, and an appropriate behavior? Because then the undesirable ones kind of fade away. So I keep that in the back of your head. Reinforcement builds behavior. And gosh, you guys, I would challenge everyone to do, you know, if you had, there's a, a trainer that I respect so much. Her name's Kathy Sadeo. She's out in the Pacific Northwest. And she has a, a program called Smart Training, See, Mark, and Reward Training. And um, she challenges people to take 50 treats and lay them on the counter every day. Pieces of kibble, it doesn't have to be treats. And 50 times a day, just go up and reinforce your dog for doing something that you want to see more of. Um, and let me tell you in two weeks, what a difference that makes. And again, no verbals, you don't have to say anything. Um, but I think if you if you just start reinforcing behaviors that you like, it's amazing to see kind of the changes in the learner that they start just doing the things that you like. Um, and again, we don't have to be verbal about it. My gosh, if I can be quiet doing this, anyone can be quiet doing this. <laughs> and just reinforcing behaviors that you see that you would like your dog to continue. So, so those are kind of my examples, Scott, that I wanted to kind of hit on. And I hope that people can take that forward. I think sometimes maybe to an untrained eye that sometimes you, it, it's difficult sometimes to maybe see what that learner is getting out of it. But um, if you can really kind of observably watch some of these behaviors so you can start to put this into this little chain, I think it's, it's fairly easy to change behavior without ever using punishment. You just, you just reinforce behaviors that you like. Well, you covered an awful lot there. And obviously, if people have more questions, you guys are always available over at Embark, aren't you? We are. Our website is um, EmbarkDog.com. Um, our Facebook page, EmbarkDog, our Instagram page. We throw a lot of, um, my goal this year is to put out a lot more kind of behavior um, fueled information so that people can kind of learn from it. So yeah, all of those spots would be great spots to, to check us out. Heather, another great edition of Dose of Dog. Thank you very much. Thanks, Scott.